Coming up on Supernatural Confessions. I was actually in shock because it's a void deck, but I cannot see any staircase. I cannot see any lifts. I'm not sick, you know, I'm not seeing things or whatsoever. So I actually circled it about eight times. There's no way of me going up. Player. Supernatural Confessions. Hello, and welcome to Supernatural Confessions, our weekly podcast where we feature and discuss all things supernatural, especially here in Singapore and Southeast Asia. We cover the myths, the urban legends, the superstitions, and most importantly, your personal encounters with the paranormal. I'm your host, Timo, inviting you to share your stories with us on our Facebook page or on our website, supernaturalconfessions.com. This episode features clips from our live show, which I host of Supernatural Confessions founder, Eugene Tay, streaming Friday nights at 10 on FB Live. Also joining us is veteran paranormal investigator E.T., whose critical approach and attention to detail have given him a keen eye and the insight to make rational deductions and find scientific explanations to most paranormal cases. To catch it in full, search for Supernatural Confessions and like us on Facebook. And now, on to the show. Supernatural Our first confession comes from Mel and Yuki, who, by the way, created our custom-made Supernatural Confessions mooncakes. Order yours at supernaturalconfessions.com. Mel is no stranger to sleep paralysis, and together with Yuki, they've had some very memorable holidays. So, yeah, we're going to talk about the time when we were in Jakarta. Yes. Yeah, so... I remember it was very late at night and then uh, we actually went to buy the, some stuff, I can't remember why, I think lingerie. I was buying undergarments. Yeah, so uh, it was really late and then uh, you know while she was shopping you know, for her stuff and then I'm a guy so there's nothing for me to do. So uh, well I just sat around and I just looked around. And that's when I realised right, Sunday right, uh, the cupboard, it was a lower cupboard at the bottom. The cupboard actually just opened by itself. So I was like, what? Then I was like freaked out and then I went to tell her. Yeah, I didn't realise at all until he told me. Then I was like, mm, okay, maybe the, the angle was down. That's why the cupboard opened. Then I started talking to a lady more about buying my stuff. And then suddenly I saw the cupboard close back. Then something is wrong already. If it's going down, how can it be going up again? Yeah, then he was <laughs> like, oh my god, uh, faster buy your stuff, then we go out. And after that, never mind, we go out already, right? then she want to go to the toilet. <laughs> Urgent, uh. Then, uh, yeah, and the shopping centre was actually closing because it was late at night, 9 plus, then they were closing hours already. Time, yeah. yeah, so the, the everything was dark in the toilet. I walked in, okay, maybe maybe it's dark because it's, the lights are off. Then the lights suddenly turned on. So I think, okay, maybe auto sensor lights. So no problem, I went to continue in the loo. And then when I closed the door, the lights turned off again. So maybe the sensor turned off. And once I'm done, I went out to the sink. It was not an auto sensor sink, actually, it was those push sinks. Then suddenly the water turned on. And I, I just went to the same sink to wash my hands. And then I just went out and told him 
it's so funny this thing happened actually yeah she told me in a very calm manner and i was like freaking out because before that you know we saw the cupboard and then next this thing in the toilet you know i wow i was like okay let's really get out of this place because it was really very freaky at that point of time i didn't think about it much at that point of time until i went out and told him and he told me this is not normal you know i was like oh yeah now thinking back it's quite creepy actually <laughs> yeah, so this is one of the experiences that we have because yeah. uh, I mean for me since young I've been seeing a lot of such stuff lah, because you know I, I have like sleep paralysis and stuff so yeah, a lot of times ever since I was 14 years old I would sleep and then after that right I would just like you know there'll be a lot of voices and then the, you know like a lot of people whispering and then there'll be one very loud one and then uh, it gets so loud that I wake up and then I cannot move and then I start seeing stuff. I mean, uh, she knows because uh, there will be a lot of times uh, when I was with her, she would just see me sleeping there and then I will be like, convulsing there. Uh, yeah, he has his sleep paralysis moments. Sometimes um, when he sleeps, he will actually have a fit. Like he's trying to move, but he cannot move. So I will pat him and wake him up. But sometimes he really cannot wake up. We have to shake him and shake him. Then he will wake up. Then you tell me about whatever nonsense I see. <laughs> yeah, all the weird things that he sees. Yeah. Some of the things that I see is like... Uh, like uh, when I was very young, the first sighting was actually uh, was, uh, last time we sleep in on the tilam one. So uh, I actually had my first sleep paralysis. I opened my eyes and then I see this little girl under my table, and I was like, I think it was my first time, and I was like, oh shit, uh, somebody please help me, you know? But I couldn't move, and then that period of time was very long. So uh, after that, I woke up and I can you know finally move. I went to tell my father. The interesting thing is, uh, a few years later, my father actually saw the same little gun at the table, so uh, that's, that's another story. But one uh, incident I remember was, of course I sleep in the same room as my dad, so, you know, when you wake up, you know, that kind of idea, like, you wake up, you see stuff, you cannot move, I remember that time, my father was outside watching TV, and then I was, you know, lying down there. So, uh, when, that, when the event happened, then I opened my eyes, and I couldn't move, I saw this faceless dude thing, you know, standing by my door, and he was, like, slowly moving closer to me. Then, uh, so you know, the only thing we do when we were young is, you know, we try to call our father, like, but I was like, you know, but I mean, couldn't get any voice out. Uh, then after that, then I saw my door open. Then I was like very happy, you know, because my father poked his head out. And then I was like, oh, yes, he, he maybe he heard me calling for him. Then uh, he closed the door back again. Then I was like, oh my God, why? Why you close the door again? Why couldn't you hear me? Then I was like severely sad. Uh, then I continued like, trying to struggle and calling. Then he opened the door again, and then this time he actually on the light. He on the light, and he looked at me like weirdly for a while before he shake me awake. And that's why I finally be able to move. And I tell him like, "Why did you close the door last time? Oh my god!" Yeah. So I have a lot of different uh, things that I've seen. The common ones that I've seen is uh, one lady with the anklet around her leg. Uh, this one is the one that actually touched me. She will like shake me in the middle of the night. Another one, another kind that I always see is actually. Uh, people around me, right, you will see them like they are lying down there sleeping or whatever with you but after that, right, when, when you're in that stage, right, it seems like they are, how to explain, uh, they will be like shadows, they will be like awake, suddenly you just see them, you blink your eyes one shot, then suddenly you see them standing over like that and then you blink your eyes again, they'll be like erratically moving around the room but that is the scariest one. I won't rule out that it is not the hantu. What does that mean? I won't rule out that it's not the hantu. What is up with all these double negatives? In other words, I won't rule out that it's not the hantu basically means you're saying it could be the hantu. It could be, it could not be. Uh-huh. Why, so why don't you just say, I'm saying it could be the hantu instead of, I'm not saying it's not the hantu. Because that's me. Need to try and sound smart, right? 
Actually, I wrote that. Uh, I I read also. I a bit confused. He's doing the. I can neither confirm nor deny the <laughs> paranormal entities. Okay, so so the reason for that statement was because when you know you know when we talk about the toilets, that the light going on and off, and the, the water coming on, even though it's not the auto type, right? I mean. I'm not saying what, but you know, some countries, maybe like Indonesia, sometimes maybe there's some electrical disruption and sometimes water pressure, even with those kind of, you know, those physically pressed kind of taps, water do come out uh, from, from it sometimes uh, uh, because it may be faulty. So so that, that's what I'm trying to say. Um, but what, what intrigued me of their account is actually the accurate description of the sleep paralysis. It is exactly what you hear and see. Uh, when you experience sleep paralysis and his description of the, the, the loss of human functions like you know you can't scream you can't feel it's ex- exactly like that okay um, so so my conclusion is he probably was a very physically tired person I, I mean I need to ask him if he does he have enough sleep and stuff like that because when someone goes into a sleep paralysis usually the physical body is very very tired although his uh, mind may still be very awake um, and, and I like how his story talked about his dad because that reminded me of where I had sleep paralysis. I saw my dad coming up to my room, right? Then suddenly I couldn't move. I can't jump. I want to scream, but I couldn't scream. So my dad came in, looked at me, and then my dad went to close the door. La. I thought he was coming to save me. Or what? He went to close the door and of all the things that my, my dad did that. Well, then I can't jump, you know. But, you know, after a while, like, like him, I got a bit panicked, but somehow I snapped out of it. Okay, but one tip I want to share with you guys. Uh, I read it somewhere. I had a few more episodes of sleep paralysis because I was physically tired. That book say that when you're in sleep paralysis, focus on moving your little finger, that pinky. And somehow your soul just comes back to your body. It leaves the astral plane and then, you know, you're back to the mortal world. So okay. remember that. So move pinky. your finger, not pull my finger. Because pull my finger is completely different. <laughs> I, I, I still have one last part on, on this story. I like that part about him talking about the whispers he hear and it gets louder and louder and louder. The moment he said that, right, it really sent tingles down my, my, my spine. It was very chilling because these were the exact same voices I used to hear when I was younger. And it's the exact same thing. You hear whispers around, you cannot understand what they're saying. It gets louder and louder and louder, right? It gets so loud that all these people are talking in my head and all of a sudden my mind goes blank. I have no explanation for it, but what I noticed was every time this happened, right, it was when I was trying to study or studying for an exam or something like that. So I think stress may have caused that or maybe stress may have brought energy level down and maybe these entities were trying to communicate with me. I really don't know, but I like to relate it to that. Lah. That is probably the stress that, that caused me to experience such stuff. Our second confession was submitted by Ad. His story will be voiced by Supernatural Confessions member Alvin De Cruz. I think I'm a little sensitive to some spirits and energies. I used to see things with my mind's eye, especially when I'm over at a hotel room or I happen to be over at a friend's place. Now, for many years, I've always suspected that there was something in my house, especially in my own room. I've also had weird incidents happened during a trip to Thailand, which apparently involved a minor demon, or Yao in Chinese. But I'd like to share a particular incident, uh, something that I believe followed me straight home. It happened a couple of years ago, um, during the seventh month. I was out with some friends of mine till quite late at night, and I was already on my way home from Tampines to Marine Parade. I was driving along the ECP uh, during that particular long stretch between Tampines and Bedok. 
I've driven many times on this long stretch before, but this time something felt off about this. It felt that I was driving along this stretch longer than usual. This was accompanied by some feelings of uneasiness and I was starting to have goosebumps all over my body. Uh, coincidentally, the air in the car started to feel very stuffy, even though my aircon was on. And there were no cars directly in front, nor were they behind me. I tried ignoring all that and I just focused on the road and kept driving all the way home. When I finally reached the end of that stretch, I just shrugged everything off as just some weird coincidence. That night, I had a very strange and weird dream. I dreamt I was in a bus and on the way home. And when I got off the bus, I felt that someone was looking back at me and I looked back in return. Just right behind me, standing probably about 15 meters away, I saw, make a guess, it was a lady in white. She was just looking down and standing there on the pavement. Feeling somewhat creeped out by this, I started walking back real fast. Now in real life, my block is just right across the road from the bus stop, which was pretty nearby. But in that particular dream itself, there was actually an open field between the bus stop and the block. And as quickly as I cut across the field, I looked back a couple of times. And each time I looked back, she was getting closer and closer to me. Now I never saw her walk. And she was still standing in the same position, just nearer every time I looked. By the time I was panicking already and picked up pace quickly, I took the leaf straight to my house and when I was putting key to the gate, for some strange reason, I just turned back. Now I live in a HDB point block and there was no corridor and just only four units per floor. Um, and standing about two meters away from me was this lady and this time she was pointing her fingers at me. And then she said in a creepy, slow manner. I know where you live now. I just lost it then and I just rushed open the gate and just shouted at anyone in the house to get some help. I uh, grabbed some pomelo leaves or some holy water or whatever to cleanse myself just before I went to the house. Just then, I woke up. And I felt that there was something behind me in my own room. I finally managed to turn around and there was a dark shadow right at the corner of my room. I started to freak out, turned around to face the wall and tried to ignore it. Until now, I'm not sure if I counted something on the way back or just had a bad dream. But I will never ever forget her voice when she said, I know where you live now. Look, the entire story, right? He had that long drive, um, and then, you know, it, he said he felt like it was longer than usual. Usually when the road is empty, you, you tend to have that feeling. Okay, so that long, quiet drive might already have given him some spooky thoughts. So just, and then obviously, I mean, I think it was probably late at night. He, 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 he's tired, he went to sleep. And sometimes when you go into very, very deep sleep, the dreams become so vivid 
it feels like it's reality. So during his dream, uh, I think a few episodes ago, I spoke about dreams and dreams sometimes play out your fears or it's analyzing what happened in the day. Um, so maybe he was, uh, uh, you know, in a way that the mind was telling him about, you know, that spooky part he had while he was driving. Um, the shadow he saw could have been an imagination because sometimes when you deep asleep, you suddenly think you're, you're, you're woken up, but sometimes you're not really awake. You, you, you dream that you're awake and he saw that shadow. Um, and, and even though if someone who wakes up from very, very deep sleep, sometimes imagination can really run wild. So my conclusion is it's probably just nothing, uh, nothing to worry about. Uh, it's probably just uh, his dreams and, and imagination uh, playing out the entire story. <laughs> well, that was convenient. If I can't blame it on imagination and I can't blame it on the EMF, I'll just blame it on you being tired and having vivid dreams. Yeah, but vivid <laughs> dreams are really like that lah. Eugene, please tell me you've got something better. The unfortunate fact about supernatural experiences like this, usually we don't have a very distinct line to draw between dreams and experiences. Uh, but from an experienced mind, when I hear this kind of stories, immediately I can tell the, the signs and the, the signals of when is a dream and when is not a dream. Now, it is true that what E.T. said that when you are tired and you have lucid dream or when you watch, even in the last week's confession, I talked about how one of the confessor, he said that he saw this girl moving on his bed, right? And I said, no, I think that might just be a figment of imagination and I could justify that. There are also times and especially what my grandmother would tell me is when you come home and you don't and something's following you back, like maybe you didn't wash your feet or you went into some place dirty. The dreams that you have, it is very vivid, not in the kind of style that we have when we are tired, but it's very distinct. It's almost like the story that we heard from the confession. There is a storyline. There is a narrative. There is different scenes. The reality is split, but you have a very full story dream. Now, when you are dreaming just a normal dream, nothing to do with paranormal or supernatural uh, 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 entities, your dreams don't make sense. It comes in parts. It comes in, 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 in spotches. But when your dream is so full and you can hear voices, you can hear the recurring voice, you feel the entity following you, this is where I feel it moves away from dream into supernatural already. Um, and because of the number of times that we have seen people who claim that their experiences uh, they are unsure whether it's supernatural or dream starts off with this sort of story first and like I said it happens so many times that for me when I hear things like that I go like have you been out late have you done this have you done that and usually most times I will be able to pick out something that the person has done that goes beyond the explanation of just tired. So in this particular case? I think this particular case, it must have offended a spirit. Uh, in fact, if you go back to Ed again and you ask him if there's any other experiences beyond that, uh, I, I suspect that you might have gotten some, you might get more stories out of him. So back to E.T., you mentioned he was very, very tired. One thing you did not mention was sleep paralysis. You don't think this could have been a case of sleep paralysis? Because generally, um, from, from what I know and experience, uh, most sleep paralysis, they dream about the immediate uh, vicinity around them. Most of the time. This one, he was somewhere else and then he was, uh, you know, traveling, uh, going across a, a patch of grass that, that 
uh, in reality wasn't there. So it's to me, it sounds a lot more like a dream than sleep paralysis. He didn't mention that he couldn't move, he couldn't scream. It was more of a like a motion picture of him coming down the bus and stuff like that. So, which is why I think it's a lot on a dream because that these are probably the things that that he he do in in, in normal life, and then the mind is just replaying the entire scene. You are not alone. Supernatural confession. As of this podcast recording, we have just exited the seventh month of the lunar calendar, or in Asia, also known as the Chinese Ghost Month. In our main feature tonight, Maisha shares why every year around this time, she tries to practice a self-enforced home detention, safe within the four walls of her home, safe from what's waiting for her outside. Since I was young, I was actually, you know, tr- still trying to figure out the things that I can see that most of my family members could not see. So, you know, there will be times where I'll just point out, hey, can you see that guy over there? And you're like, who, who are you talking about? You know, who is this guy? Or whatever person there is, I would just point out. So, um, there were times where, you know, because I live in the east, mm. so when my parents will bring me out, uh, we we don't really. We don't really have this thing where you know we don't go out during the Hungry Ghost Festival month or whatsoever. But just so happens that day that we were having dinner late at Yunos and they were having the Gertai show. Mm. So you know me being the the little, um, I, I'm just very curious and I speak my mind all the time. And even way before uh, this experience. You remember always being able to uh, to see spirits or to see people that other people couldn't see. Yes, more okay. so like you know you have your senses heightened. Like you know yeah. sometimes when I have this like smell that I'm not familiar with, you know, I just full mm. of smell and like you know it yeah. just disappears at one corner okay. of the house. But aside from the smell and the heightened senses, you actually see visuals, do you? Yes, I do. Okay. So I remember when I was much much younger. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, I will I will always watch late night TV with my brother because he usually sleeps really late. So this one time I say, you know, look, there's someone at the window, and then he says I don't see anyone at all. But there was this like tall, lanky figure that was just taking like a silhouette of the window, you know, the glass window panes. Yeah. You know, I kept staring at it. I kept insisting there's someone outside. You know, maybe he he wants some help or whatsoever. But my brother said that no, no, just just watch the TV and don't bother about it. So. Your family never tried to explain what it was, uh, or did they even try to tell you? Oh, it's your imagination. They would usually just brush it off. Not mm. until this experience that I had in twenty mm. thirteen. So I was twenty three then. So what happened was that um, I live with my parents, so all my siblings have already left. You know, they've already married and left. So um, it was about seven p.m. or so. So I wasn't aware that there was like the first day of Hungry Ghosts or whatsoever. You know, I don't really like check the calendar to see. You know, I'm not particular about the dates or you know, like I don't really jot it down. Mm. So what happened was that um, uh, I I called my parents and they said that they were having dinner at Causeway Point, which is right right at the other end of the the country itself. <laughs> yeah. So I was walking home. And then, you know, I saw people were just like burning like the hell notes and, you know, provide, doing the offerings, you know, all over the pavement where I was walking towards uh, the lift lobby. So I was walking, I was nearing my um, block of flat, right? So 
I, I, I was actually in shock because can you imagine it's a void deck but I cannot see any staircase I cannot see any lifts hmm okay so I've, I've stayed in this estate ever since I was seven so that's a good um, you know 16 years and I'm very very familiar with everywhere that's around me so I was actually quite blurred. So I was thinking, okay, this is not right. You know, maybe, you know, I, I'm not I'm I'm not sick. You know, I'm not seeing things or whatsoever. So I actually circle around the vicinity of the void deck, yet I cannot see any staircase or lift. I live on the 10th floor. Mm. So there's no way of me going up. You see, so I circled that about eight times. So I called my parents. I said that, hey, ma, um, so that's the thing. I cannot go home and she's like what do you mean you cannot go home it's like I cannot see any staircase or lifts so mm. she said what are you saying and I was saying that no I literally in my point of view I cannot see any lifts or staircases or what it's just my block itself okay well describe to me what exactly could you see so I, it was just an empty void deck it was just mm. a void deck Oh, you know, just there were seats and stuff like that, but no staircase. Okay, so everything no. else was normal. You would see pillars, yes. you see walls, you maybe even see signs, bulletin boards. The only thing that's yes. missing was staircase. And you knew where the staircases or the lifts were yes. supposed to be. Yes. In its place, yes. what was there? So it was nothing, it was just hollow and empty. So imagine like the lift lobby, right? It's usually, yeah. you know, the, uh, the concrete is, it's four walls, right? Mm. It's like pillars. So it's nothing I've seen before, you see. Okay. So I was just like, so I told my mom, okay, look, you know, I'm going to take a photo. I'm going to show you what I mean, but I cannot go up. Mm. So the part I was, I was using the iPhone 4. So I think it was fairly new at that time, you know? So yeah. each time I snap a photo, the app just abruptly exits. What? The app just crashed? Yeah, it just crashed. Wow. It's not even a matter of me trying to press, you know, like mm. just, just capture a photo. No. And uh, it happened three times when I tried it. So my phone was at 33%. I remembered clearly, as clear as day. Mm. So I called my mom and said, look, I cannot take a photo. I cannot say it to you via WhatsApp. You know, I do not know what's happening. You know, not even iMessage or whatsoever. Mm. So she said, okay, hold on. We are coming home. We are going to okay. take the cab. We're coming home. So my mom is a bit, she's, she's very jittery. So, you know, okay. I do not call her unless it's absolutely necessary. And she knows so, to take you seriously. Yeah, because mm. like there were, there were, before that, there were times where I say, you know, what's the smell? You know, um, I hear someone knocking on the door or something. You know, it's just like the little little things. Yeah. And then she would share with me, like sometimes, you know, she she uh, she feels like someone's like touching her hair. And then she'll ask me, uh, were you touching my hair when I was sleeping last night? I was like, no, I, I didn't know such thing, you see. Mm. So she would ask my father and my father would be like, no, you know, uh, he works late. So, you know, there's just no way that anyone could actually just disturb her in her sleep. Mm. So God. when I was on the call with her, she said, okay, hold on, you know, just wait for us at the um, drop-off sheltered area. So I said, okay. And then um, I just walked towards the drop-off sheltered area. So there were two seating areas, mm. right? And then I was seated there. And then I tried to call her again, but my phone died. And that was the time where, you know, portable um, charger was not... Yeah. What time was this? Do you remember around what time? 
So I remember it was about 7.05 when I um, alighted from the bus. Okay, so, so about 7.05, it's the evening time. It's still it's still sun out, right? Yes, it's still start sun out. Okay. Yeah. Now, while you were walking around this lobby, this void deck, right? Did you at any point in time see anybody else walking around? Because this is still pretty yeah. early in the evening, isn't it? Yeah, there was no one. So, okay, the people that I saw at the pavement, right, they were mm. doing offerings, you know, at the designated bins right. and so forth. Okay, but you didn't but see like, any, say, your neighbours or any, that people who you knew probably would take a lift or the stairs, none of them actually walked past you? No, okay. not at all. So that was a bit strange because, you know, given it's during the peak hour period yeah. as well, you know, come back from work. So it, it was really, really strange. So when I tried to call my mom again to ask her whereabouts was she, uh, my phone died, right? So but you still my, had 33% left in your yes, phone. Yes, right. and I tried to switch it on and then it, it just prompts me to connect to the charger. Right. So I was like, you know, I have no ways in... No, I do not know anyone at the, at the uh, beside my block or whatsoever that I can call for help, you know, just yeah. go up to your house and stuff like that. It was only my block that I couldn't see an access to go to my house. So you walked but, to the neighbouring block and you could see yes. the lift, you could see the stairs, but only yes. just your block, all those things disappeared? Yes. Wow. Okay. You waited there how long before your parents eventually got back? Oh, okay. This was a very, very strange part which uh, which actually resulted in why um, I'm actually on a house arrest whenever it's um, Hungry Ghost Festival. Oh, no. So, okay. what happened was that the next thing I knew, so I was sitting there, I was sitting down. So, the next thing I knew was that I was at home. It was morning and my mom was beside me. So, I was like, okay, you know, how can it, it all happened too fast. One moment you're trying to call your parents and you can't because yes. your phone is off and the next moment yes. it's morning, you're in your room and your mom's next to you? Yes. I don't understand. Yeah. <laughs> it was a big question mark. So it's like, I, I, she, she asked me this, so what do you remember mm. from last night? So I just remember waiting for you at the shelter area like you told me to. I tried to call you but my phone died and that was it. So she told me, you don't remember what happened between, you know, after the whole, like me trying to like get through her through, to, on her phone. Mm. And the next morning, she's like, no, I don't. So she told me her side of what happened. So both she and my father alighted from the, the cab at the sheltered area. And the funny part was that she couldn't see me when I, I told her that I was actually there. You know, she okay. told me like, you know, I say a sheltered area is big, you know, you cannot miss me and stuff like and that. And there's only know, like, one sheltered area. Yes, there's only one sheltered area there. Okay. So anytime where we will take a cab or whatsoever, you know, they would drop us off at that sheltered area. So she said she couldn't see me and, and then she was panicking because my mom is really very panicky and jittery all the time. So mm. my father said, okay, you need to sit down and, you know, just recite some verses of the Quran, you know, just, just to calm yourself down. So she did just that. So my father was actually walking around, she said. So when she did just that, what she saw was I was on the floor where the sheltered area is. You know, there were two seats, right? There were two mm. marble seats. Yeah. But I was on the floor. What I did was that imagine everything from my back, because I was carrying a tote bag with me. Mm. So everything in my bag, I took it out. 
I arranged it. She said as though I was giving an offering. And I even lighted because I that's what that was the time when she found out that I actually smoked. So you know it was it was a it was a bad time to light. Yeah. yeah. So she said that um, I took out two sticks of my cigarettes. I lighted it up like as though I was lighting a candle. Or joysticks maybe. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Okay. So she said you know it was just arranged as such. And wow. she said that I was just murmuring and she couldn't even understand what what, what I was murmuring. She called oh. out to my dad. So my dad had to pick me up, you know, and then brought me up. So that whole part, I was just like, okay, did this really happen, you know? And my mom was like, you know, I'm not about to tell you that this is not going this this didn't happen to you. Cuz this is just just strange. Okay, so let's uh let's rewind and and analyze a little bit, okay? Um you try to get hold of your mom can't yes. get through your phone okay yeah your mom gets there she can't see you she sits there at the at the at the drop off point she starts to pray and suddenly you come yes. into view cuz she yes. hadn't seen you before that yes when okay. she alighted so when she she just you know i did not know what she recited or whatsoever you know but it just that uh, her heart told her to to just look Looked to yeah. the side and she's yes. on the floor. Okay, she saw you on the floor. What position were you in? Like, for instance, you 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 explained what your you explained that you had all the items in your bag put out like an offering. Were you kneeling? Were you lying down? Were you sitting down? What position did she see you I in? I was sitting cross-legged, and sitting my body was up. Okay. Like, because I because I mean in nature, you know, I I slouch a lot. Mm. So she said, you know, that was the straightest posture you have ever seen you in, and you were just murmuring under your breath, and I couldn't even figure out what were you saying. Okay, so how do they get you back to the house? So my mom, my mom called out to my father because my father was, you know, when she said when they couldn't see me, so he was trying to find me whether I was around the area because there was this like fitness corner, and then there was mm. another site with another sheltered area, you know, but it's away from the drop-off point itself. Yeah. So she called out to my father, and then my father came. So they had. And then that, suddenly he can see you now, because he couldn't see you before yeah. that either, right? Yes. Okay. So you know, like when they told me this, I'm like, you know, it, I cannot let it click in my head because mm. I, 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 I was trying to think. Did I step on anything? Yeah. Did I say something? You know. Mm. Um, did did I do anything to offend? Because I'm I'm usually very careful when it comes to things like this. You know. Right. In your opinion, though, what do you think happened? Um, I honestly think that um, it might be maybe you know it's the start of the the Hungry Ghost Festival, and I have you know like in the concentration of all the offerings that they were giving, you know, mm-hmm. I might have bumped into a spirit that you know I that I don't know you know maybe I was just you know. My my eyes were just shut yeah. altogether to go home. You know, maybe it was directing me somewhere, mm. or maybe it was it wanted me to do something, which probably led to the fact that you know I was I was giving offerings yeah. with whatever I have in my bag. You know, it's something that I until today I can never fully explain it or understand it, yeah. but I just knew it happened and it still boggles my head. Uh, what I believe that Maisha had experienced was she was being pulled to another realm. It's another dimension. She's not in this world. Um, 
when she said she couldn't see the doors and the walls. In these cases, many, many times, the the victim, like Maisha, they find themselves in a different place, almost like that. And how the phone can work and all that, I do not know. I don't understand the science behind it. But very clearly, there's two things that happen in this case. A, she was brought to another dimension. She was in an alternate reality dimension that's parallel to our universe. It sounds very sci-fi. It sounds very woo-woo. But such things we have talked about in, very, in many different confessions exist. Except that Maisha seems to be very susceptible to the spirit world. So she may have accidentally stepped through. Now, whether she has stepped on something that led her into this place, she's offended something that led her to this place, in her confessions, we can't tell. Uh, but she called her parents. Her parents could speak to her, speak with her. And when we all do paranormal investigation, we understand that battery dies extremely fast in the paranormal world. Uh, when there are ghosts around, batteries can go from 100% to 0%. Uh, and when she had 33% left, which is not that enough for the battery to run dry, but it did, right? And to me, everything else that happened up to that point, and you're right to say as well, when I guess you reacted is, your reaction was, I don't understand. And I think many of us shared that sentiment with you when she confessed a story to that point and we go like, yeah, but what are you getting at, right? So as much as I always believe things to be supernatural, I also need substantial evidence and signs and, and uh, enough supernatural signals to, to tell me that this is a supernatural encounter. But up to that point, I felt it could be a thousand and one things. It could even be you sleepwalking, right? It could even be an imagination. And then she said her parents come out and couldn't find her anywhere in that place. And I think, Tim, you did a very good job in asking her a lot of investigative questions about is there different places? Is this a big place? And, no, and then she says, no, there's only one spot. And mom and dad couldn't see, right? They went off. They searched the place. And then they started praying. And then the body appeared. And when she appeared, she was sitting cross-legged with all her items out of the bag. And she's praying like it was seven months. And she didn't know any of that. Maisha didn't know any of that. She didn't make that up. Her parents, her mom, the very panicky lady who wouldn't, in my opinion, wouldn't make stuff up like that, was the one who confirmed that and says, I wouldn't bluff you like it happened you cannot find any form of scientific explanation to shoehorn or hammer it into this confession to say it must be EMF because EMF don't make people disappear. This isn't a Philadelphia project. This isn't something as uh, simple as, oh, both the mother and the father, they are so exhausted they couldn't see their own child. You know, there's a lot of the usual explanation that E.T. would throw at us that doesn't quite stick wow. in this particular He's confession. already telegraphing already what he thinks you're going to say, right? I know, right? Shots fired, man. Before we actually move over to E.T., um, I mean, just to, to touch on some of the points that you actually brought up, Eugene, uh, you think that she got pulled into another realm. All right, when it comes to other realms, do they have geographical limits? Because if you're pulled into another realm, then you're in a completely different world. You know what I mean? Something that's parallel to ours, but it shouldn't just be your block where the lift disappears and the stairwell disappears. It should also apply to the other blocks behind you as well, right? So in this case, she went to the other blocks, but 
they see they were seemingly untouched or unaffected you know they still had their lifts they still had their stairwells you get what i'm trying to say i do and i have a hypothesis for this one drawing on parallel stories that have happened to other people i'm just the story her confessions itself does not give me enough information so i'm just going to draw uh, uh from other cases that are similar to her something some entity was trying to prevent her from going up so my understanding is that whatever that put her into the other realm was trying to protect her that is the only explanation i could think of because it doesn't make sense that every other blocks have their leaves and staircase but the only one leading home when no one's at home by the way is seven month first day you cannot find your way home you are protected you are cloaked and you have disappeared from whatever danger that are out there that's trying to attack you so to me that seems more protective than malicious wow et what did you think of my isha's story honestly this case it's a really it seems like a really 100% very clear case it's what you call the greater yen um, a phenomena where you can't find a certain place uh, the areas that you need to walk or something like it just disappears from your sight um, I'm not sure if it's some kind of cloak that other people can't see you because I've never really come across a research case that, that actually stated that. But many, many cases have uh, described what she, she experienced. Actually, most of the time, the greater yen, I realize, right, most of the cases is they can't find a way out of the place. They tend to circle around the same place and then they get lost. And it's got nothing to do with GPS or someone's sense of direction or gender. Okay, wh- why I'm saying that is because it happened to me in Pulau Tekong. Okay, uh, during BMT, uh, we were doing guard duty. So my buddy and I, uh, we were in Takong Camp One. So we were walking towards the, you know, the infamous, you know, the three door Charlie Bang. You, you guys know the story, right? Yeah. So we were going there. You need need to do the punch clock. So we walk there, follow the map and everything. Okay. I mean, our map reading skills not bad one lah. So we walk there, right? Which was very interesting because it was mentioned in the previous story by Ed, right? He said he saw this big uh, grass patch. So where we walked to the Charlie Company Bank, it was this huge grass patch. We walked round and round and round. We cannot find the place to, to punch clock. No? Then we say, ah, okay, la, we just go relax one corner, go look at the stars. I think it was about a good 10 to 15 minutes. We, we retraced our steps, walked back to the same place where the grass patch was. Lo and behold, Charlie Company was there. How do you explain this, by the way, to your CEO, right? When you come back and you're late and then you... What were you doing? Slacking off, is it? Oh no, Quetzal Yen. You can't use that excuse, right? It's like, sure, the ghost covered your eyes. That is the exact same question you should ask because we were using walkie-talkie. Hey, Sergeant, we walk to this place, cannot find. Say, wow, it's just there. You go walk exactly to that place. So we keep walking, cannot find. Then we know if we ask some more, right? Sure, can I scold it? So we know choice. When we went there, after we had to run to all the other checkpoints, firstly, because we were scared. Next, we have to make up for their lost time that, you know, to explain why the punch clock. And you know, you tell the sergeant, hey, go hantu. Confirm kena extra duty lah, because you know, the talking cock, right? So, my conclusion, um, I don't think it's the EMF. I don't think it's something to do with the hantu and stuff like that. But it's a phenomenon called kwe in which I cannot explain. Yeah, but what what does kwe? What is kwe mean? Kwe means ghost, right? Ghost is hantu, Depends right? So if you're going to kwe, say kwe kwe can be chicken yen. also, can be chicken also. Ah, so kwe. if you're going to say kwe yen, then you have to admit it's the hantu, right? If you're going to say it's kwe yen. Okay, depends on your definition because if it's a hantu, it means something that's standing there. That's, you know, haunting no, you. No, hantu and- don't have to stand, what? Hantu can like float, right? 
No, mm. sorry, bro. If you're gonna say use the word the term quater yen, right? Then you gotta focus on the quay and then you got to say it must be No 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 no. It's a phenomenon. It's a phenomenon. It's 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 not exactly the goat, it's a phenomenon that we cannot explain. But I, I do have to highlight one interesting part is that um when the mom couldn't see her, I mean I've of my 18 years of, of, of doing paranormal research, I've never come across a case where the parent went to that area and couldn't spot her. So so to me, that was a very, very integral part or very interesting part that made me realize it's not something about signs. That after some prayers, right, the mom was able to to, to see her and, and to sight her. Uh, so so to me, that, that's very compelling. Um, yeah, so okay. So is it the ghost? Maybe. <laughs> Supernatural confessions. And now on to part two of our interview with Maisha. Have you ever had any um any similar situations happen ever since then? And do they well, usually uh, happen around around this yes, uh, seventh correct. month? Yes, correct. So uh, I remember in two zero zero nine. So I was still in school. I was in college. Uh, so my college was is all the way in Bukit Batok. Mm. So I was. Um, so usually we'll have like night study before we do our A levels and so and so forth. Right. It ends at nine o'clock. So there's an express bus that I uh, will take home every mm. day. So night study ends at nine o'clock, and I will usually take it with another friend who lives at Bedok Reservoir area. You know, then she will she will like, and then she, before she alighted, she actually said this: "Hey, don't sleep on the bus. You know, you do not want to end up, you know, at the interchange or the terminus mm. or whatsoever. You know, and it's another route all the way back home. And today is first day of hungry ghosts. You know, you don't play play because you cannot see all these things. Yeah. Because in school, sometimes I will see things as well because." You know, um, where my school is, is uh, behind is all the forested area. It has since been cleared. Which school is this? Uh, Millennia Institute. Ah, okay, right. So after she alighted, and then it was, I was due to alight a few stops after, but I fell asleep. Mm. No, no idea why. So um, I fell asleep to the uh, Upper East Coast Road uh, interchange, the Terminus, the only bus that goes to my house is 14 and at this timing, you know, the bus will be super late. So I was thinking, you know, I used to school around the area as well yeah. for secondary school. So, you know, I, I knew the shortcuts as to where to walk, you know, to the Tanamira MRT station. So what happened was that I was walking through Q Drive, I remembered. So Q Drive, you know, you can cut through Limau Rise and so and mm. so forth to Tanamira, right? So I remembered seeing this man he was in shorts he was in blue shorts and white shirt i remember so he was squatting and mm. it looked as though he was trying to light up the candles or joystick i'm not entirely sure because it was about say 10 meters away from where i was i was walking older was, gentleman yeah chinese yes chinese okay. i would think it's strange because yeah. i couldn't see his face then right okay so it was dimly lit, you know, the the street lights and so so I was walking and then I said like okay, maybe he needs some help, maybe his lighter is not working because I don't see him lighting anything, I don't see any fire, you know, at candles or any smoke from the joystick, right? So I didn't know why I actually tried to approach him. I walked towards him. So I said, Sir, uh, I have a lighter. Do you do you need you know 
do you need to light your candle or joystick, right? So I was standing, so he was squatting, so I couldn't see his face then. So when he turned, he told he was holding two red candles in his hands. It was just eye sockets with no eyeballs, and he was he he was just biting on the thing. So I was yes, like, biting on the yeah. candles. Yes, he was biting on the candles. Wow. Okay. So I was like, yeah, I am sorry, and I just walked. I had walked and I ran. I mm. didn't know how far it was with everything that's on my back, you know, all the the heavy books and stuff like that. Yeah. So yeah. So this was how many years before the uh, void deck incident? This was uh, in two thousand nine, so about four years before the void deck incident. You so think it was related? Do you think it was related? Um. Because based on what you just told me, it almost sounds like you were kind of reenacting what you saw. Mm. With the would, placing of the offerings and the lighting it. of the candles. Yeah. So now that you mention it, it probably might be. But you know, why? Why does it take four years? Is there any significance to the number four? Maybe we we actually just um, as of this recording, we've actually just got past the recent seventh month. Uh, was this an eventful one for you? So this year's encounter was pretty strange. What happened? So um. So I was I was actually at um, my sister's place two weeks ago. You know, like I would tell my mom, you know, let's not go out during seventh month because of whatever happened, right? Mm. She's like, you know, it's an exception. You know, it's just a gathering. Like it was my niece's birthday, so we try to make it quick. You know, cut cake and then just go home. So we left for home at about ten and reached home at ten thirty, mm. and then uh, I haven't I haven't smoked for the whole day. Yeah. So you know, I was just trying to find a reason, like, hey, you know, I I need to go down and get some stuff at Seven Eleven. Maybe basically she knew it was cue for me to go for my smoke break. Mm. So when I went down, um, the the lift stopped. Uh, so I lived on the tenth floor, right? So the lift stopped on the eighth floor. There was a lady that came in the lift, and I haven't seen her before. I've never seen her around. What did she look like? Uh, she's this very small, petite lady, and she's Indonesian actually. Mm, okay. So she spoke to me in Bahasa. Mm. So she was saying like, um, "Miss, where can I find halal food around the area?" So I said, "Oh, okay, like you know, the hawker center opposite mm. uh, does not sell Malay food or halal food. You know, you have to walk behind." And yeah. then she was like, "Oh, okay, like um, it's four dollars enough." No, she was talking to me in Bahasa, so I I could reply to her in Bahasa because yeah. I speak Malay, right? So she said, "It's four dollars," and I was like, "Hey, look, you know, like I had my wallet, so I remembered like I had my last six dollars in my wallet because mm. I didn't withdraw any money." Yeah. So I said, "Look, um, six dollars. So there's ten dollars. You know, just get something. You know, like uh, just just get something to fill your stomach. You know, I'm afraid that four dollars might not be enough." Mm. So she said, "Okay." So once the lift actually landed on the first floor, yeah. Right, um, my neighbor from the sixth floor actually came in. So this auntie, you know, I was like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm very, uh, I, I like to talk to old people because they're really nice and you know yeah. they, they share experiences with us. So, so when we landed on the first floor, I was telling her, I was like, okay, like, I was just showing her directions. Okay, you have to walk here, you don't have to cross over, you know, walk a little bit, you know, if you see after Seven Eleven, walk through. So this auntie who came in, who who wanted to come into the lift, right? She was looking at me strange, and she was just like, uh, she was just looking at me strangely, you know. 
and she just like she just gave me the strange look and then she rushed into the lift mm-hmm. she pressed on her uh, her floor and then she was just she was just stepping on the the closed button i'm guessing sounds like okay you know maybe she's in but by this time by this time this uh this indonesian lady she had left the lift gotten out of the lift already yeah, so i was more like when i told her so she walked away right so she's really just very small pretty lady so i'm guessing you know she walked really fast you know yeah. having a tell her like you know just cut through here and stuff like that mm. so i was more fixated on my neighbor who was rushing and pressing the lift button yeah. So what happened was that I was called for work on Sunday for for some urgent matters. So I went down and then the 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 floor I mean the lift actually stopped on the 6th floor where you know the auntie that I I saw the, the night before, right? Yeah. And she's like, "Girl, uh, can I ask you something? Who were you talking to last night?" So I say, "No, auntie, there was a girl with me. I was just showing her direction." And she said, "Girl, there you were not talking to anybody." Wait. So I was like, "So okay. what? She she didn't see anybody in the lift, anybody coming out of the lift. All she saw was you talking to something in the air." Yeah. And showing directions to that thing. Yeah. Okay. And then it just hit me. I was like, "Okay, you know, let's not go further." You know, she because she also said to me, Um this this was a year after the the Voida incident happened. Uh cuz apparently this auntie would always catch me talking to nobody. Mm. So the year after in 2014 it was the same thing you know 7 plus PM I was rushing home you know cuz I was aware of the Hungry Ghost Festival right? Yes. And I was walking and then I heard a little boy crying. So I said okay there were a lot of people A lighting uh, who were lighted from the bus walking towards the same direction as me but i cannot be the only one who who actually heard the cries of a little boy so i saw this little boy he was okay you know this usual sheltered walkway you know there's mm. like drain stuff like that that's covering it right yeah so i saw the boy sitting by the drain so i went up to him and then i saw that his leg was stuck in the drain and then i saw there was blood So I said, "Boy, are you okay?" So when he turned to me, his face was so pale. Like, okay, imagine his iris were like, you know, it's similar to those people who have cataracts. Wow! Like so it's glazed over. Yeah, it's glazed over. Mm. So he just did this, "Cheche, uh, just tell mommy and daddy I'm sorry." So I didn't know what to do. So I just said, uh, "Okay, I'm sorry too." So I just walk slowly. Okay. I walk slowly. I didn't turn behind. And then at the lift lobby, the auntie, the sixth floor auntie, same auntie, she say, hmm. "Girl, who you talking to? Why wow. you talking where? Don't talk to anybody. It's hungry ghost first day. Oh, auntie, yeah, yeah, sorry, auntie. Take me back to a few weeks ago, okay, where you encountered this Indonesian lady, uh-huh. uh, who turns out nobody else could see except you. Uh-huh. What happened to your six dollars? When I opened my wallet, the six dollars was there. Oh, so you didn't actually lose any money? Because I was like thinking, "Wow, hantu truly do it," you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> Took your money and ran away, but the money was still actually in your wallet. Yes, and yeah. I actually shared it with my parents, and my parents were just saying that you know maybe it's a test to see whether you're actually a stingy person or not. 
Yeah. Wow. Okay. Okay. Wow. That's 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 amazing. And obviously, all right. This is just basically. I want to get this out of the way for the uh, cynics, lah. Okay. The people who will probably go. Oh, she was really tired that night. Her imagination went running. And you know, I'm talking about ET when I say this. Uh, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. she hadn't been smoking. She was very highly stressed, very strung out, and that's why she started imagining things. In your opinion, none of that applies, right? You were completely of sound mind when all these things happened. Yes, because for I'm 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 just like ET actually, to be honest. You know, mm. when I have this kind of experiences, I will rule out the most logic part of it. Okay, yeah. am I tired? No, I had coffee. I had Red Bull. Mm. You know, uh, I'm not under any medication. You know, I can do my work clearly. You know, it's more like I will usually question my sanity before. I actually yeah. rule out. Like, hey, you know, this is actually something that you cannot explain. Hmm. You know, you just cannot explain it. I the entire story, the one that really, really got hit me right in the feels, is the boy says say sorry to my parents. Oh, you know that, and and who who are your parents? We don't know. We want to help, also don't know how to help, right? Um, but I think one thing that really stood out for me in the second part of the story is. Maybe it's also remember the first part I said that deity is protecting her. Something is protecting her. Either that, or she has a gift. She has a purpose to help spirits. I believe we can all agree on one thing. Maisha is a very kind-hearted person. She wants to help everyone. She wants to talk to everyone. The only six dollars left in the wallet, take it. So, I think where something or someone is protecting her and. Looking out for her, she has divine favor. That's my my immediate takeaway for this. Some people have also said, I guess, on a group chat that she she can walk into the other realm very easily. That may be true, primarily because when we looked at how she was speaking to the old lady, that to me isn't in the history of paranormal investigation how any hantu would talk to you. Is there a halal shop nearby? Can I go to the halal shop? I got only four dollars. Is that enough? It doesn't sound to me like a, a paranormal entity. So, looking at that scenario, could she have walked into an alternate reality, an alternate timeline? Could the people in these various timelines see an appearing Maisha as a benevolent spirit who gives them? Help. You reckon um, these spirits are, are related in one way because at one point, you know, maybe it was a bit of a stretch. Uh, I tried to find a link, you know, between the uh, the old man that she had seen years ago, and uh, obviously link it back to you know the position that she was in when she was at the void deck. Do you reckon any relationship at all? Perhaps a uh, uh, the spirit of um, you know someone she had offered help to in previous years has stayed with her since. Frankly, I would like to think that that is a beautiful narrative where a spirit you helped before comes back four years later to help you. I love that narrative. Whether that is true or not, I really can't say for sure, and I don't know. Um, based on the evidence that's given to me, it doesn't sound like it is the same spirit. Um, and because she has seen spirit almost every other year in between from then to you know that that incident, uh, it's very hard to say which is which. But one thing is for sure, she has the ability to cross walls very easily. She has a good heart. I don't think she's offending spirits. If anything at all, I think the spirits are helping her. Now Chinese believe if you uh, and a personal story that happened to me when I was working, I had an office back then in Peace Center. Uh, Indian guru came into my room, uh, my office, and says, "I want to help you." I meditated, and I was told to come here to help you and give you a message. 
Now, to be fair, back then in uh, late 2000s, racism was very high. When you see a certain um, race or you see a certain uh, 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 dressing, you tend to typecast people, right? And so immediately I think, okay, unsolicited guru coming to my place trying to give me message, he must want money from me. You know, that was the, the immediate uh, thought. And to be fair, he didn't take a single cent from me. He didn't take a single cent. He says, donate whatever you want to, if you want to or not, it's fine. I'm just here to give a message. And I can't remember the, all the messages he gave me, but I remember the first message he, he gave me was, actually, I remember two right now, but it's not important. The first message was, somebody is going to come up to you a week from now to ask you for food don't deny that person the second message was about someone with the letter a in her name call you from overseas to do business don't do okay so the girl's name was amy this was i think it was 2008 and she called me up overseas and says oh let's do business together like what are the odds i have not heard from amy in like 10 years uh but the first incident when she talked about the food don't deny the person the food i was working late there were four of us we went out of our office together walked downstairs and I've been in that place for two years. I would have known strangers or anyone loitering around. But Peace Center is not known for beggars. Peace Center is known for Atyongs with expensive cars and girls with... Ladies of the night. Ladies of the night, yeah. An old man walked up the stairs, reeking of like urine and whatnot, right? Approached the four of us, walked up straight to me and asked me mm. for food. And I was told to give him $11 exactly. I put in my wallet, I had only exactly $11 left on me. Yeah. What are the odds, right? And how pinpoint precision this was. And after giving him the money, he went off. I never seen him ever again. But apparently what that gesture was supposed to be was to buang my sway, to wash away my bad luck and to renew my luck. So if you are superstitious like obviously I am, Things like this, signs where, you know, things just happen, premonitions, uh, things that just told to you and they came true with no agenda whatsoever. These guys that I met that one time never came back to me to ask me for money in any other way. How else do you explain that? Coincidence? So uncanny. Uh, so I think with that, with that kind of heart that uh, Maisha has giving people, helping people, she is a very protected person. So I, I think she has a gift. Hey, I want to ask you, uh, when you gave your 11 bucks to the uh, to the old man, right? The next day you checked your wallet, was the 11 bucks back in your wallet? Unlike my Shah, my $11 was gone. <laughs> okay, so at least you know, the guy was not a hantu. <laughs> Alright, it's over to you, E.T. My only question is, why does it only happen during the seventh month? Um, the reason why I asked that is because uh, in, in the heydays of SPI, where, where we were the only paranormal investigators uh, in Singapore, uh, we realized that during the seven months, right, there was no abnormal spike in sightings reported. Uh, it was just like any other month. So I was just wondering whether the, the stories, that she, the accounts that she gave, uh, um, or maybe it's the visuals that you see during the seven months, you see people offering, and then you watch those movies. I, I don't know if it invokes uh, one to actually imagine such things. Um, I also maybe would like to ask her, I think she's online, uh, if she had any other encounters um, beyond the seven month um, was she I mean if you are able to communicate with entities technically any single month you should have entities coming to you because they don't just roam during the seven month yeah but I mean it is fair to assume that especially during the seventh month you know that 
there would be more of them around, right? And that would increase your odds of actually coming across them. Exactly. That, that's what I used to think. But over the past 18 years uh, where we did research, uh, where people write in to us telling us about hauntings or, or, or entities appearing in photos, there is no spike in paranormal uh, occurrence during the seven month. It's just like any other month. So, which is why, that's why I come to a conclusion that the seven month is not the only month that entities come about. Any other month, you should have entities. So, so that, that is my theory. I mean, I may be wrong, uh, um, but this is just by experience. I also like to speak a bit about uh, um, the candles uh, uh, theory about eating candles. I, I really think it's an old wife's tale uh, because when you burn, when you start burning, I mean, long ago, right? When you start burning the candles and then you say your prayers, you go sleep, the next day you come out, the candles are gone. So, you know, people tend to perceive that they have been you know, eaten. But actually what it does is just it's just melting down the wick and then all the wax just goes down. If you actually look at the candles, it doesn't disappear. The wax just dissipates down the, you know, the, the stick. To be honest, I really like uh, how her story went that she's always been helping people. Uh, but, but then when we do investigations or, or we try to CSI something, uh, we try and look at the facts. So she had that $6 in her wallet even after she so she gave it to, to the entity. To me, it probably didn't even happen because it was still in her wallet as, co- as compared to where Tay actually gave it physically. I've had quite a number of stories of, of people giving uh, money to entities. It usually disappears. Either that or it gets replaced by hell notes or it gets replaced by dried leaves and stuff like that. But this one, the, the, the money was still in her wallet. Uh, I'm not playing her down and stuff like that. I mean, I, I believe her as much as she is. But with the evidence that, that, that we have or at least the accounts that, that was given uh, maybe she was mistaken maybe she was forgetful or something like that but that $6 being inside her wallet um, it goes to show that it wasn't probably given to, to the entity you're kind of stuck between a rock and a hard place right if the money was gone then you could easily say then it wasn't a hantula it was an actual person right uh. So now that you say that, oh, it's still there, then, oh, you probably didn't really give it away. So either way, whether or not the $11 was there, there's always going to be a way to argue that there was absolutely no supernatural element involved. Now, I agree with you, but um, there have been many accounts uh, which was written into us uh, previously that the money that was given, right, if it was a paranormal occurrence, usually whatever they find in their wallet is something else and not a legal tender note. It's either a, 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 a Jaws paper, a hell note, or or, or leave and, and stuff like that. I mean, I'm just saying from experience, like, I, I may not be right because I have no evidence or I have no proof, uh, but just speaking from uh, previous uh, uh, cases. Okay. You have anything to add to that, Eugene? There's one part that she said she drank a lot of coffee and Red Bull. So to me, when someone drinks so much caffeine uh, and is so hyped up, uh, and maybe I'm this part where I'm leaning towards E.T., yes, she may not be now hallucinating about anything, but she's definitely going to be very hyper. And I can imagine that kind of connectivity and that kind of frequency reacting to another realm. Uh, we always talk about frequency, we always talk about vibrations when it comes to spiritual work. And even in scientific experiments where people talk about seeing things, uh, when you're depressed, you see you see entities. Why? Because your mind works at a different vibrations at a different frequency. From a scientific point, do you think a chemical like caffeine can also make you hallucinate, imagine things that aren't really there? 
Uh, definitely, because that's what caffeine does. It it makes your adrenaline pump. So when your adrenaline pump, sometimes it, it makes your mind actually hyperactive, and you may perceive things which uh, are not actually there. So like that lah. If she saw something because she hadn't had a smoke all day, it's because she was craving for the nicotine, and her body was acting in a certain way, right? If she took too much caffeine, her adrenaline is pumped up. She's overstimulated. Then she could also see other things as well. It's a combination of things, and I think one of the thing is, which is what I like about the culture in Singapore. I think it's very visual. That during the seventh month, you actually see this. You know, everyone uh, paying their respects and burning and everything. But at the same time, if you watch such movies, I mean, I'm sure all of you have watched those Chinese movies where the ghost is squatting down, eating candles. What I'm suggesting is that that could be because of a combination of what we've watched in the movies and seeing it visually that can actually play in our mind. That is just one theory, lah. At the end of the day, it just could be a phenomenon, right? It is the seven-month phenomenon. <laughs> Supernatural Confessions And that concludes this episode of Supernatural Confessions. If you've enjoyed the show, please consider giving us a five-star rating or review wherever you're listening from. Supernatural Confessions, the podcast, is free to listen to on Apple, Spotify, Google, and wherever podcasts are played. You can also share our podcast and our content with your friends and help us grow our network of supernatural fans and enthusiasts. For more information on what we do and where we do it, like us on Facebook and visit supernaturalconfessions.com. Until our next installment, my name is Tim O, and this is Supernatural Confessions. Supernatural Confessions.